The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Uh, what was of value to you in that exercise, what you learned or noticed? Um, could we get a mic over? There's one. There you go. Um, the one thing I noticed was that when at, in the person being the person telling the story, um, I I found that I want to speak faster. Speaking more and sort of speaking faster helps me to understand where I'm going. Mm-hmm. If you if you want me or somebody wants me, my ex wants me to slow down mm-hmm. and have pre-analyzed mm-hmm. what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. I don't feel I get as far. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that relates. Sure. I mean, it relates to the exercise, but I don't understand yeah. the the answer. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that for you, the ability to let your thoughts flow out of you is one of the ways that you arrive at clarity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's great. There's no... So there's, there's no should here. There's no one should always speak slowly. The point here is to have presence. The point is to be aware Being aware doesn't mean we necessarily have everything figured out. It just means we know what we're doing. Because when we lose presence, we lose choice. When we're not aware, we're not at choice. So if you're choosing to to flow and, and, and that's serving you, then great. The question is, when does that move into more of an automatic pattern where you're losing the ability to stay connected to the other person and to have choice about what's happening for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, place, that's the place to look. And I'm really glad you raised this because we're all different, you know. And, and uh, I think it could be easy to take some of what I'm presenting and leave with the idea that, oh, I should always speak slowly or I should always know what I, exactly what I'm going to say beforehand. And, and that's not the case at all. But what I am suggesting is that uh, the, more, the more aware we are, the more presence we have, the less likely we are to cause harm to someone else, to ourself, uh, to say things that we later regret or we didn't mean. Yeah? Thanks. Great. Thank you. Other comments, insights, or questions? Yeah, maybe just get a mic over to you. Normally, I'm very calm, and sometimes I occasionally I run into some situation where someone says something that makes me angry or I think they are saying this, maybe they don't intend to. And it's those small occurrence that I have problem dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, because usually I, I slow down, I'm very logical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the occasional, it doesn't take much to turn the things around, it's basically. Mm. And <laughs> it, it's... So I'm trying to see what kind of strategy that you mm. you suggest because you say, you know, slow down. I I do do that. Mm-hmm. It's just that sometimes it happens so quick that mm. yeah, things already leave my mouth before I, <laughs> I can slow down. Raise your hand if you can relate to what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, it does. It happens quickly, right? That's that's speech. So, hmm. So there, you know, there, there, are different, there are different things that I can suggest. Um, one I referred to earlier today, which is um, knowing how to make amends. Right when, when, when things do slip out that we don't intend fully, and that causes some difficulty, being able to acknowledge that and repair, 
the, the effects of that? Or, I can't quite see you because of the glare, so I'm not sure if you're... Yeah, okay. Okay, so that's important on the other side. Um, uh, on the... On the before something like that happens, um, it's helpful to, to try to train ourselves in how we express ourselves. So in other words, our habit is likely, if so, we don't like something, to put it on, out on the other person. You know, you idiot, can't believe you did that, right? Rather than like, oh my God, I'm so angry. Same energy, right? Very different message. You see the difference? So that comes from training ourselves how we think and how we perceive instead of throwing it out at the other person, owning it. What's going on for me? So there's a certain, uh, an actual training that we do in ourselves that can, that can come to our aid in those moments. Uh, and, then, and then I think the other thing is, is, is learning how to express ourselves fully, completely, when we are upset or angry um, without causing harm. And there's a, there is a way to do that, you know, to be able to be fully authentic and saying, I am really angry about what happened, you know. This really put me um, in danger in terms of, you know, this particular project or, you know, this thing at home or, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Being able to express that fully based on what matters to us, what our needs are, rather than, rather than throwing it onto the other person. Is that, is that helpful? It's a lifetime training. It is, yes. It's very much a lifetime training. Yeah, yeah. You know, and recognizing each of our temperaments and our conditioning. You know? So sometimes, sometimes when, we, um, when, we're, when, we're quick, when we have, when we're quick to get angry, um, there's, uh, we might, we might work with starting to see, you know, how is it to express uh, more mild irritation? Because, like, I know for myself, I grew up in a family where everyone else um, got angry very quickly and would raise voices, and so I saw how difficult and painful that was. So I took on this idea that, well, it's not okay to get angry because it hurts. And so I would never get angry. But when I got angry, it would all kind of explode, right? So then there was kind of this journey of being able to like, well, can I just express a little bit of frustration or irritation, you know, to, 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 get, to get used to that, that that's okay to say like, hey, I'm a little bit annoyed about this. Why did you do that? I don't understand. And engage. And then, and then it's not, it's, it's, uh, there's less of a gap less of a distance to travel when we really get upset because we, we, one of the reasons why things come out with so much force sometimes is because we, we, we might not trust our ability to assert our needs because we haven't done it for so long. So then if we do it a little bit, a little bit over time, then we feel um, more secure, more confidence in being able to say like, hey, you know, this isn't going so well and I'd like for that to be different. You know? Thank you. So I want to just refine a little bit the uh, topic of our conversation right now um, and, and bring it back to the exercise that we just did. Um, I, I'll, we'll take time for more general questions like this one in a few minutes. But for right now, I really want to just uh, invite folks to, again, just reflect on what you learned or noticed from the activity that we just did. What were some of the insights that came for you? DK, is that it? Yeah. I was surprised by how You were surprised at how difficult it was. Yeah, I was surprised by how difficult it was to maintain connection to presence once my mouth opened. I really like the progression that you introduced of connect while with eyes closed. 
connect with eyes open. But once I started speaking, then it's so easy to get lost in the contents of what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I had set the intention to stay connected with presence, but it's gone just like that. Yeah. Great. Very, really important to notice. Very important to notice. And to recognize that we can practice with that. We can practice with that. So if this seems valuable to you, is of interest to you, you know, take a few days and in the morning and in the afternoon at lunch, and then again in the evening, just come back to that intention to just say, I'm just going to try to stay connected to presence while I'm speaking. And then just practice that and just keep coming back to that. And do that for a few days, just reminding yourself as often as you can. And then over time, slowly that capacity will build. Yeah. And the second microphone is... Okay, just so we know, yeah. I noticed uh, what he noticed about I, I more trouble staying in the present during talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was listening, it wasn't as hard. But uh, when you, I was talking and the bell rang, I could really just suddenly be aware of the muscles cinched up. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people were surprised at what you noticed in your body when that bell came to pause when you were speaking. Yeah. yeah. How many people found it easier to uh, stay connected to presence when you were listening? How about when you were speaking? Great, great. What about the other, other experiences? Yeah, let me get the other microphone over. So I struggled a bit with that just because um, I do a lot of teaching, and so usually when I'm speaking to somebody I don't know very well in a, in a kind of curated context, I have a very clear, clear sense of what I'm getting across and why, but I work with undergrads. And so this was a weird exercise because I didn't know, whether, am I supposed to be making this person laugh? Am I supposed to be giving her an insight into my personal life? Uh, into my religious insight. You know, it, it just seemed like a very strange uh-huh. activity, and I uh-huh. was curious about the discomfort of that. Mm, mm. Great, great noticing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's one of the, the one value of these kinds of exercises is, is, is just that we get to see and observe some of the patterns of, of our own mind that we might not notice otherwise. And just start to notice, like, oh, gee, you know, when I don't have a frame around this dialogue or relationship, I get disoriented. How is that? Yeah. Yeah, Danelle. So uh, reflecting back, when I was the storyteller, and then I heard the listener repeat back, um, I became aware of an even third option. I discovered another insight. So that, that now I'm sort of questioning, I guess that means that I was present to, to not only hear the listener reflect back, but also some space in between for other insights to come through. Uh, I'm just kind of working through it right now, because at first what I'm thinking, well, I, I thought of a third insight, um, a personal insight about the personal story. Personal insight about yeah. my story. I tell yeah. the story yeah. from one point of view. The they offer a second. A second one, well, which was, yeah. was, was reflecting what I was yeah. saying. But I, in that, got yes. a whole different one yes. that was a surprise yes. and spot on. Yeah. And so just now I started questioning, well, maybe I really wasn't present because I wasn't really listening to her. I got something else. But that don't something else was really yourself. great. Yeah, Yeah. don't second get yourself. So how many people, when you were the speaker, how many people found that the listener's reflection actually um, revealed something to you that you weren't aware of? And for how many people did, was what you realized even independent of what they said? Like they said something, and then that made you realize something else. Right, that's what you're talking about. So one of the things that happens here, and this is why I was saying before, is it doesn't matter if we get it right, is when we take that guess, it's like holding up a mirror 
to the other person and going, this is what I see. Is that right? And then the other person gets to look in that mirror and see themselves and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that's, that's there. But then because it's us and we know ourselves, we look and we go, but you know what? There's something missing. There's also this other thing. So that's that third insight that you, that you shared, you know, that someone else's reflection will often reveal things to us that might not even be present for them because it helps us to see what else there is. Yeah. Yeah. How many people found it hard to just listen? That you noticed other, other intentions arising, wanting to say something, wanting to... Anyone have that experience? Yeah, what, what, what came up for you other than wanting to listen? What did you notice? I just felt like I was getting kind of confused uh-huh. okay. by the stream of things. Uh-huh. And, yeah. yeah, and then, of course, that led to some self-judgment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. that's, there goes the presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good noticing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is it's slightly artificial in this that we're just listening the whole time and not able to, you know, in a normal conversation, if we didn't understand something, we might be able to say, wait a minute, what did you just say? I didn't quite catch that. Yeah. Other things? When I was listening, I felt like the thing that brought me out of presence was um, finishing his story for him. Um, and so in the first like 20 seconds, I saw it in my head. I was like, oh, okay, this has about three endings that this could possibly go. Uh-huh. And... Um, and it didn't evolve in any of those ways, and it was much more beautiful. And, and I found that it, that kind of originates in my uh, hopefulness uh-huh. to uh, give some insight at the end of the activity. Uh-huh. I wanted to provide something, um, and so I was trying to plan ahead of time. Yeah, great, great. Thank you. I found myself oddly hyper-aware of the body language part of the message mm. and in fact to the point where i was missing the 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 actual language yeah because i was paying so deep attention uh-huh. to what was being said with the hands and the yeah. motion of the head and the motion of yeah. other parts of the body and Great. it was very odd you yeah. know, to, to be so hyper aware of that yeah 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 it's fascinating how much other communication happens behind or around the words yeah did anyone notice themselves wanting to maybe give some advice? No advice givers in this whole room. Okay. Solve their problem in some way? Yeah? Yeah. Ask all kinds of questions to satisfy your own curiosity? Yeah? Yeah? So it's important to notice these things, right? To notice these impulses. Not because there's anything wrong with them, but because when we don't notice them, we're just acting them out. And to be able to instead cultivate and strengthen the ability to just listen. To just listen and understand. It's a very, very powerful tool. And it's one of the, it's one of the, um, it's one of the cornerstones of effective communication is being able to, especially in difficult or heated conversations, being able to slow down. This is where slowing down actually is really helpful when there's a challenge to slow things down and to just go one kind of point at a time and just make sure that understanding is happening, to just listen and make sure that we're understanding someone. You know? So I'm, I'm hearing that this happened and that it didn't work for you in this way and that this is what was important to you. Have I got that right before we move on to anything else? No, that's not what was going on. It was more about the, oh, okay, okay. So, so let me just see. So it sounds like it was more about this and that this other thing was really important to you. Is that what it was? Yes, exactly. Great. I'd really like to share with you what was happening for me when I made that choice. Do you have some space to hear that right now? No, because I can't believe that. Okay, wow. So it also sounds like this other thing is really important to you because this happened and you, know, you were really expecting that. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Great. I'm so glad I understand that. I'd also really still like a chance to explain to you what was going on for me when I made that point. Do you feel like you have the space to hear that right now? Sure, fine. I'd love to know. You know. So you see, we go just step by step, just making sure message sent was message received. 
And the, and the building block, the cornerstone of that is this exercise, is just being able to listen and reflect back what we're understanding, what matters to someone. I just wanted to, to say that this, this exercise was really um, an eye-opening to me. The reason being is um, I shared a story uh, which I shared to a friend. So I shared the same story again. Mm. And uh, when I shared the story with a friend um, last week, um, like, I think it went on and on and on. Like, I, I don't know how, how much you know, I spoke about it, but um, didn't, I didn't necessarily feel anything was resolved or helpful i was just kind of venting you know yeah and then in a fraction of the time today uh-huh. <laughs> um i felt that i was heard and there were two beautiful things one was the posing mm-hmm. because and the fact that we posed twice mm-hmm. because the first time okay i posed and I was, I was kind of eager to start again but the second one i the second time i was even able to realize that the pose was so good that I could actually let go of the story, mm. which was kind of like, you know, this thing has been in my head and I couldn't let go of it. And now we're like in this, like, mm. I don't know, 30 second pose and I can, I would just be fine with letting it go. Mm. But, um, you know, then when we spoke at the end about, you know, how did I feel and things, I, if it was very useful to do that dance, like, you know, didn't get the the thing right the first time but then i had really this insight which i didn't have last week when i shared with a friend you know so i felt it was a very um powerful framework um, great. great yeah yeah thank you how many people um one of the things that sometimes uh i hear in doing this exercise it's slightly different than what you're saying but related is is that in that pause People sort of have the chance to reevaluate what they're saying and actually decide, was that really important or where do I want to actually go next? Did anyone have that experience? I see some heads nodding. Yeah, right? We actually then, we kind of get to, 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 to get perspective and say, well, what do I really want to say here? Where do I want to go from here? That choice point. And then the other thing that you mentioned that was so powerful of the, just that experience of being heard and how that brought some resolution for you, Right? And that brings me back to the question you asked earlier about when, when a friend is maybe venting and you don't necessarily di- agree with them, but you want to connect with them. That this kind of listening can do that, just to just be able to hear what matters to somebody. And when we, can, when we can offer that kind of listening, that kind of presence, it can be very supportive. It can be very kind of, uh, can bring a sense of completion. Just one, one more thing. Do you have any suggestions for if you have a horrible, horrible memory and you're listening to someone and you f- forget what they said at the beginning or you're having a conversation, you might relate back, and then anyway, you get lost. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just interrupt and ask. <laughs> the, the thing about that is, though, is that you want to do that with, by letting the person know you're interrupting them because you want to stay connected, to let them know, like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lose track and I really want to stay connected with what you're saying. Can, can we just pause for a second so I can tell you what I'm getting and then you tell me if I've missed anything? Something, something like that. You know, and then you can kind of summarize. And um, That's very helpful if uh, someone's sharing more than you can take in in the moment to kind of slow things down for yourself to say like, you know, I'm having trouble keeping track. Can I just tell you what I'm getting first to make sure that I'm still with you? And then you sort of maintain the connection in that way. Yeah. And, you know, it's counterintuitive because socially many of us learn, uh, well, it's impolite or it's rude or, you know, disrespectful, something like that to interrupt when someone's talking. So then we end up just listening and sort of zoning out (laughs) you know and then who's that serving it's not serving them it's not serving us right so finding a way to actually interject yeah yeah great so maybe we can start to open it up now i know that uh, there were a couple of other other questions that were broader i don't have a question but i just want to 
say how good it felt to me. I mean, it just felt so good mm. when she, my you know, listener, told me what I had said. Yeah. It just was... I mean, it was yeah. really... It, it, yeah. I haven't felt that way for a long time, that great. you know, someone really heard what I said. It felt yeah. great. Yeah. And then I felt really good when she told me that... Um, I had heard her. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a good feeling to it truly is. communicate like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonder we don't do it more often. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you're speaking to something I think very important, which is that we actually have this capacity to meet each other's needs for understanding, for empathy, for being seen and heard. And that, you know, on some level, it's not that hard. To just show up and hear someone instead of giving them advice, giving them a solution, diagnosing them, telling them why it should have been different, making a joke, lecturing them, telling them about that time it happened to us and you know, all of the other ways we respond. But to just listen to someone and then tell them what we heard. You know, that, that we can do that for one another. And the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. just saying what you heard like I, I think you know I, I heard a similar exercise yes. where you know tell me paraphrase what I said yes, it's more and than that doesn't doesn't get anywhere to me I think it's just when you said what matters yeah. was yeah. it just changed the whole playing field yeah 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 there are different there are there, there are different tools that are appropriate in different situations yeah 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 D, DK had a question Press and hold it till the light comes on. Uh, I had a different question I want to ask first that's more related to this exercise. Uh, for me, I find it sort of unnatural to reflect back to somebody uh, what I think matters most to them. Mm-hmm. If somebody tells me a story uh, that, about something that made them upset, I'm much more inclined to say, hey, I'm really sorry that happened to you, and give them a hug. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, when do you choose to reflect back? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, I feel like it would be, I would feel awkward saying, so, like, what I what I'm hearing is mm-hmm. um, that you felt yeah. upset because X, Y, Z. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, so number one, that form of like, um, so what I'm hearing matters is da, 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 da. That's a little bit of an artificial form, right, that we're using in this structure to practice this tool. And so it's important to find your own authentic way of connecting with someone and offering them uh, your understanding of where they're coming from, really, you know. Um, so there's there's no should here. There's no always. It's not always do this or always do that. And so you know, sometimes it's quite clear what matters to the person, right? And 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 there's there's understanding that's happening, and that's and that's we both see that and know that. And there's no need to say that. And what. What meets them most is just what you said. You know, God, I'm so sorry. That's awful, you know. Would you like a hug? Right? You know, by all means. Um, and you'd be surprised at how healing and powerful it can be to just offer back to someone like, you know, not just I'm sorry, but wow. You know, it sounds like you were really hoping that you would have gotten the job, you know, or like you're really uh, wanting some more consideration in that situation, right? That there's something that like a part of us that we're struggling with inside gets seen. And when that part is seen, something can settle. There's... um. This is a quote from Carl Rogers, who is the, uh, the one of the kind of father figures in humanistic psychology, and he was the mentor for Marshall Rosenberg, who created nonviolent communication. This is what he says about empathy, about this this way of uh, just listening to someone and uh, understanding what's important to them. He says, "When someone really hears you without passing judgment on you." 
without trying to take responsibility for you, without trying to mold you. It feels damn good. When I have been listened to and when I have been heard, I am able to reperceive my world in a new way and to go on. It's astonishing how elements which seem insoluble become soluble when someone listens. How confusions which seem irremediable turn into relatively clear-flowing streams when one is heard. What that looks like changes being heard. Sometimes it looks like reflecting back what matters to someone. Sometimes it's just being silent and nodding. Sometimes it's giving someone a hug, right? But the essence, the heart of it, is what, is what we're practicing and, and trying to uh, remember that we have the capacity to offer to one another. Um, I remember something from a workshop years ago. I was in a community that was in very serious crisis, and we called someone in for one day of communication. (laughs) And at one point, we were divided into groups of 10, and we were sitting face-to-face with partners across a table. And in our group, we were all ready, and I was A, and that person was B, and we were all lined up to do it. And at the end of the other, I was sort of near one end, then the table, somebody stood up and says, before we start this, I just want to talk. We had a small uh, neighborhood grocery store. And this guy started talking about somebody else had taken his job, and he could tell, because when he came in one day, you know, the guy was at the cash register, and there was this kind of colored light around you and music and stuff. And so I was kind of irritated. I was all ready to do the thing with my partner who was assigned to me. And, you know, what is this guy doing? But I guess we just listen for a while and he'll run out of steam. You know, that was my selfish point of view. And so, but that didn't work. The guy kept talking about seeing lights, seeing things when he saw this guy. So he really knew that guy was going to take the job. Then, all of a sudden, the person next to me, uh, you know, not looking at the assigned partner, but looking down the corner, he said, so when you came into the grocery store, you saw the guy with the lights and then the music? He said, no, 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 I saw the, mu- the music first, then the lights. Okay, I got it. The music and then the lights. Is that right? Tell me about the lights. And uh, this person who had been kind of uncontrollable uh-huh. was very calm, very satisfied, and very happy and sat down, and we all did what we were supposed to do. Great. It was extremely powerful. Yes. I mean, this guy was like... Yeah. You know how you get things going, yeah. and you just can't stop the rhythm of what you're speaking. Yeah. And somebody just yeah. said, "Oh, so it was the lights when yeah. you saw yeah. when it came in the different colors, and Great. the guy calmed down, sat down, and everything just went on." It was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So I have a question about the guidelines uh-huh. and. Um, the one on is it timely Mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear more about that Mm. as to you know when when do you know what to say um, especially if it's a more um, you can sense it's going to be a triggered sort of conversation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well you know I I think the point is, is is to ask the question of ourselves. Most of the time we don't even ask the question, is this the right time? You know? So just even remembering that there is such a thing as timing and that that's a factor in how well a conversation goes is important. Right? So um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is probably um, trusting our intuition we can, you know, sometimes we can kind of feel it. You can kind of feel like, mm, probably not the right time. And the more, the more you ask the question and listen, your, uh, your, your ability to read the situation will grow. Because if you're asking the question, then you're getting information. You say, yeah, it feels like the right time. And then you ask, and then, oh, that wasn't the right time, <laughs> you know? You just, you just start to have more information to compare. And we, we don't always know. We're not always going to get it right. That's fine. 
But then the third thing is just is actually checking in and saying, hey, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about something that might be kind of difficult. Is now a good time? Right? Just actually inquire. And if the person says, uh, probably not a good time, <laughs> then, then you're going to follow up and say, great, thanks. You know, well, when can we find some time? When would be a good time? Very, very powerful to actually, you know, uh, before any conversation, to get the other person's permission and explicit agreement to have the conversation. Because then there's buy-in. We've made an agreement. The person feels like we're respecting their autonomy to say, hey, you know, I wanted to talk. Do you have, do you have 15 or 20 minutes? That, 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 that creates a certain kind of a space with the other person when we, when we can do that, rather than just launching into it and assuming that the other person's on this, you know, ready to talk about something. You know, instead, we, we, we negotiate contact with each other. Um, just a quick one. Yeah. Uh, just because I am catching a Caltrain. Okay. It's uh, logistical in yeah. nature. But you mentioned that uh, you would have resources for yes. ways of continuing or sure. deepening in this in this okay. line of practice. Sure. Um, is there like a handout or a web page or some way of... Uh, if you take one of these postcards, it's on the uh, table over there. Perfect. My website's on there. Okay. And there's some resources on my website. Okay. Yeah, and you can also, um, yeah, that's probably the simplest. And there's also a contact form on there, so you can email me if you have specific questions. Perfect, yeah. thank you. Great. And for those who are staying, I'll share a few other resources in, 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 a, in another minute. So maybe be the last one or two questions, and then we'll, and then we'll close together. Well, thank you for the exercises. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed all of them. Um, two things. One... Your advice in regards open open up a conversation with people who don't necessarily have um, skills in communicating and not being invasive or harsh. And the second one, if a communication is going to nowhere or to places where people are raising voices and all of that, what is your advice on that, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are those are difficult questions, important questions. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm losing track of the first one, so I'll just start with the second one. Um, again, you know, with with raised voices and so forth, we have to keep. You know, it's just important to recognize that we all have different preferences and styles and tolerances and cultures around that. You know, like. Um, in my family culture, raising your voice is just an expression of being passionate and caring. It's not a sign of disrespect. Whereas in another family system or culture, it would be received differently. Yeah. So, um, so there's. I think there's some some kind of a balance between recognizing um, individuals' styles and preferences for communicating, and our own uh, need for safety and our own preferences, yeah? So um, I think it's, it's, it's imp there, w without the specific context, it's hard to say, so I'll just share a few things. But, you know, one, uh, it's important to take care of ourselves and uh, draw boundaries when uh, um, something feels unsafe or abusive in some way, to be able to say, like, hey, you know, the, the way you're speaking to me right now is not okay for me. You know, I, either what you're saying or the way you're saying it. And to say, like, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to talking about this with you, but not the way we're having the conversation now. And to set a boundary in that way. And then to either make an agreement to talk about it at another time or to, or to, to change the tone in the moment if that's possible. And if it's not possible, then to do it at another time. That's really important to be able to do that for ourselves, right? Um, in terms of other, other people who don't have communication skills, well, that's probably going to be a lot of people <laughs> in our lives. And so uh, that means that we have to be that much more skilled. And the beauty is that... Um, it only takes one person in a conversation to change the dynamic. 
If we stop fighting back, it changes things. If we, if we start listening and responding with empathy um, and gently asserting ourselves while still respecting their opinion, it starts to change the tone, the rhythm, the movement of the conversation. So, so we take ownership, we take responsibility for carrying uh, the conversation in a direction that's going to be more helpful. And when it looks like it's not going in a direction that's going to be helpful, then we do what we need to, to, to redirect, you know, to say like, hey, I, I don't think this is going to be useful for us to keep talking in this way. When we do something like that, what's very important is to assert first our commitment, our interest in, in the relationship, the connection, or the conversation. You know, if that's actually true, if it's someone that, you know, if it's someone where we don't want to invest the energy, then just say, hey, you know, sorry, I'm really not interested in having this conversation. I wish you well. I hope you have a good day. And, we, you know, we go our way. But, you know, if it's your brother or your sister or your parent or your lover or something, you know, it's a little, you can't really do that. You're going to have to face, you know, see them the next morning or something. So then you say, like, listen, sweetie, I love you. I want to have this conversation. I'm really committed to figuring this out and to hearing what's going on for you. But the way you're talking to me right now is making it really difficult to do that. So I either need for us to change the way we're having this conversation or for us to take a break and come back to it tomorrow or another time when we're both more calm. But you, but you lead with the connection. And that gives the other person the reassurance to know that like, okay, you know, you're not just checking out. You're not just shutting me down, right? So is that helpful? Absolutely. And coming from a communication major, Mm -hmm. I learned something important here. My partner in the last um, exercise, he was a great listener. And I think I am forgetting those skills. I have to be more careful in listening to others than in talking and talking and talking. Great. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, there are three parts to communication. There's listening, there's speaking, and then there's our our presence. So we need all three. We need to be able to do all three. So last question. Sure. Yeah, this is the question I asked earlier. Yeah. Um, And it's a lot of, is there a place for anger in right speech? Uh, A lot of uh, activism against systemic injustices seems to be motivated by anger a sort of righteous anger. And I'm wondering whether it can be used skillfully or whether anger is pretty much always uh, undesirable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, these are, these are very um, important, powerful questions that I don't, I don't think there's an easy answer to. And I'll just I'll share with you my understanding. I think that um, holding that question for yourself and, 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 and what's behind it for you. The sense of um, your commitment and care to the values that you have, both in terms of like the social justice values and also your commitment to your spiritual practice and where those meet. Like th- that, that is the... Um, that's going to be where there's the most opening for you is, is, is holding the dilemma and the question for yourself and just continuing to investigate, like, what is the role of anger in working for change? Um, what, what I can say from what I've understood is, um, first of all, that um, anger is a natural emotion. It's there to protect us. It's our organism's natural response to threat. And, and in that sense, it's something that we can actually honor, that we can recognize that this is very powerful. There's a lot of power in anger and that, and that there's, a, there's, there's a reason for it arising because there's something that we're trying to protect. Where, where it can become destructive is when, is when, we, when we act on it uh, blindly, when we, don't, when we don't see that anger clearly and we don't see what it's trying to do that it's trying to protect something yeah 
So um, I, my, my sense is, is that actually investigating the anger, being able to feel it and, and uh, receive its energy and its message, what is important here about this? And to actually uh, stay with the emotions long enough to see what else is present. Oftentimes, there's great sadness or pain underneath anger, you know. But if we just if we just move with the anger, we we lose um, the vulnerability underneath it, and the and the um, any of the insight um, or energy that's connected with that and the healing potential that's there. And we also, we run, when, we don't, when we don't go through that process, we, we run the risk of recreating the very things we're working against in our, uh, our efforts at change. Because with, with anger comes the, the, the potential for um, uh, losing connection with, with the humanity of, of uh, people on the other side. So those are some, some reflections you can, you can explore. Yeah, great. So we're uh, reaching the end of our, our time here, and I want to just say a few, a few things in, in closing and wrapping up. So we, we've spent some time exploring two of the three foundations of mindful communication, presence and intention. And the third is training our attention, it's just, which is a, a, a whole training in and of itself, learning to train our, our mind to notice certain aspects of experience that are going to be most helpful in a dialogue, in a conversation. And these are the four components of nonviolent communication, of observations, feelings, needs, and requests. And this is a whole, whole, whole training in and of itself. So we touched on one of them, on needs. We started to explore that facet of training our attention. So if you're interested in learning more and going deeper uh, in this area, um, there's some wonderful books that you can read. Uh, Marshall Rosenberg's book, Nonviolent Communication, is excellent. I highly recommend it. There are many other books about nonviolent communication. Um, sometime in the next year or two, um, I'll have a book of my own on this topic that's out. It's uh, one project that's kind of on the back burner, but that's, that'll materialize eventually. Um, Greg Kramer has a wonderful book called Insight Dialogue, which is another stream of practice that you can explore in right speech. Um, there are also um, uh, classes you can take here in the Bay Area. There's an organization called Bay NVC that I teach with, uh, Bay Area Nonviolent Communication, and you can check out their website, bayNVC.org. Um, and then there, uh, there are a number of online programs that you can do. Uh, some through, uh, through uh, the NVC community, um, and there's, I have one that's available right now. If you go to my website, you can get information about it, um, and probably within another year or so, um, there'll be a, a, a more in-depth uh, eight-week online course available through, through my website um, that goes into this training in depth over, over the course of eight weeks. And then periodically, I, I also teach an a eight-week class in person in mindful communication. Um, I'll probably teach one next year at some point. Um, so if you want to stay in touch and hear about what I'm doing and uh, these kinds of offerings and projects, uh, the best way to do that is to sign up for my email list. And unfortunately, I forgot to bring my uh, sign-up sheet today. Um, but again, if you take one of these cards that's out on the back table, just go to my website, and there's a little box where you can sign up to, to get an email. And I, I just send out three or four a year. You won't get lots of emails. And there's, I just send a few updates about, like, here's what I'm doing, here's the next program I'm offering, things like that. <clears throat> so, and then I also just want to say a few words about uh, the practice of dana which means generosity. 
Um, it's not just about fundraising. It's the foundation of this whole practice. And it's about recognizing that we depend on one another in, in uh, this human realm. That none of us could, could be living and breathing right now if it were, weren't for other, other beings, other human beings and non-human beings. That this whole universe uh, is um, one continual expression of generosity. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat is just this, this continual stream of giving and receiving. And so we're part of that. So my, my time today has been freely given, freely offered. Uh, I, I don't get paid to be here. I pay for my gas and my lunch and you know, just offer the, the, this teaching uh, really joyfully and freely because uh, it's meaningful to me. And I hope that it contributes to you and to the people in your life. Uh, and so there's the opportunity to um, participate in this cycle of giving and receiving. Uh, this center is run entirely through generosity. The lights, the building, the tea, all of it is, is freely offered. Uh, so, you know, by the door, uh, there, there are two slots, two baskets, um, one to support my teaching and one to support the Insight Meditation Center. Uh, with with your generosity. And some of that might show up in terms of money, in terms of funds. It also shows up in terms of time and energy. Um, so there are ways to volunteer here at IMC. And if you'd like to know more about that, you can talk to Gail or look at the website and uh, reach out in that way. Anything else that you need to say in terms of closing, Gail? Great. Um, Great. Let me just get some hands. About five or six people. One, two, three, four, five, six. Great. Wonderful. Great. Good. So I'm aware that it's 4.33. So let's just have a moment of of quiet together as, as we close. May the results of our practice and our exploration together today be for our own welfare, for our happiness and our peace, and for the happiness and the freedom of all those around us in our lives and beyond. And may there be more peace on this planet. Thank you so much for your practice.